0: Welcome with us, Dr. Don and Renee Worcester.
1: Okay. Thank you. Thanks, Erin. Um, hey, I got to tell you, uh, we're from Phoenix, Arizona, and I haven't talked to Renee yet, but I think we decided that we're going to join.
2: <laughs>
1: so I haven't talked this over with Jesus <laughs> or Renee, but I think we're going to join. We're going to have to figure out transportation child care with our four kids in Phoenix. Um, I'm going to do one of those groups. And uh, and then we may have to stay with several of you. So we're going to pass a list around <laughs> until we find a house. So you'll see that coming around. And please feel free to sign that up.
2: That's so, so true. I can't tell you how many times we've been driving around here that I've used the word beautiful. Like we'll come up over a hill and I'll go, beautiful. Come down a valley, beautiful. Come by the ocean, beautiful. Like I keep yeah. saying it over and we're over We're
1: stopping again. and staring at things that local people are going, what are they doing?
2: <laughs> We're not from here. Yeah. It's true. So thanks for having us. We do feel totally um, welcome. And uh, we have four kids. Uh, Abigail is nine. Emma is 13. Jacob is 14. Keaton is 21. So we have an elementary, junior high, high school and college right now all in the same household. So you can imagine, like, it's a lot of driving yes. right now. Maybe is that's why is. we
1: want to stay here, now that I'm thinking <laughs> about it. Now when I just heard you say that, it occurred to me.
2: But um, we feel like our kids are always teaching us, always showing us the gospel, always showing a new picture of Christ, showing us restoration, freedom, um, a pure heart. They're showing us that all the time. Abigail, who is nine years old, um, this has been a couple years ago, and we were circling up to pray before we ate, and as we circled up, Abigail was just a beat behind on um, the end of our prayer, and Don turned to her, and he said, Abigail, what did you just say? And she said, I'm in, and he goes, I like that, amen, or I'm in, right? I'm in says I'm voting myself in even that Aaron was saying I'm in right Don Don said that's an Abigail card he's handing out Abigail cards right now but the idea is when we agree in prayer we vote ourselves into what we pray right it's a step of belief saying I'm in this prayer lord I'm saying I receive what we just prayed I'm saying I trust you even though I don't know right I'm in so as we start this, could we first stand as I'm in and let's pray together, right? As a, as a sign of I'm in the message. This is a, just a continuation of us believing we're in. We're in worship. We're yeah. in the message. And so, Lord, right now, we come to you and we vote ourselves in. Yeah we say yes to you, Lord. We say amen. We say we agree with you. We agree with you what you say about us. We agree with you what you say about our future. We agree with you what you say about our marriage. We agree with you what you say about our kids, Lord. And we agree, Lord, with the truth because the truth sets us free, Lord. And we vote ourselves into the truth right now, and we ask that you would restore and give us freedom and a fresh spirit and a fresh eyes and fresh ears to hear your word today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Amen.
1: Um, hey, so we flew over, uh, on Friday afternoon and, uh, our kids are older now, but we used to fly quite a bit, um, when they were little. And if you're flying, um, uh, on a plane, uh, you'll remember the stewardess always goes through and she gives a little directions about everything going on. And then she talks about, you know, if you're flying and the oxygen mass drops off and, um, if you have a pack of kids around you. She gives the general announcement about the oxygen mask and all the rest of that. But if you have a lot of kids, a lot of times the stewardess will stop back and she'll lean in just to remind you. And do you remember what she says to parents about the oxygen mask? Oh, you guys are good. Hey, if you catch on fire, what do you do? Extra bonus points. Thank you. Look at that. You're competing. You hear that? She wanted to get it. Stop, drop, and roll. We have a whole seminar on stop, drop, and roll too, but we won't do that today. We're going to talk about this, this idea of the oxygen mask. They, you all know it because you've all heard it. But when you're traveling on a plane, uh, the stewardess knows that if something really does happen and the plane gets all wiggy and the oxygen mask drop, what is the instinct as a parent? Your child. Oh, my gosh, we're in trouble. we got to get to my child. And uh, they, they know that's your instinct. They know that when things get hard, the first instinct is going... I've got to protect them. They know they have to remind you Mm -hmm. to sort of go, you know what? It feels a little counterintuitive, but the truth is that your child will be better off if you're clear and they're fuzzy than if they're clear and you're fuzzy. Amen? Amen? Okay. (laughs) But they know we have to be reminded. They know that we forget. They know that when we get to a hard place our instinct will kick in. And it's not an instinct that will serve us or serve our kids. So it feels selfish. It feels, well, no, we've got to focus on We've got to hurry up and make sure our kids are good. And yet, if we're clear, Mm -hmm. even if our kids are fuzzy, you know what? We're in a better position, right? We can step into it. And I would say with everything we talk to in your whole life, understand that if you're not in a clear place, you know what? Put your oxygen mask on first. Yeah. Yeah. Right? No matter where it is, your kids are going to be better off if you're clear. Yeah. If your marriage is kind of sideways and stuck and you aren't in a good place, you know what? Step back. Take some time. Get clear. Yeah. Right? Even if it means that you're stepping back from parenting for a while to go, let's get clear. Yeah. You know what? If our kids are even a little bit woozy, it's all right. We're getting clear right? And so that idea, I think, as we as we approach, and everything that, that uh, Aaron's been talking about on parenting, we just want to underscore, um, if we're not clear sort of in our capacity, we're not going to be able to show up in the way that we're intended to show up. Yeah. We're not going to be able to make the impact. We're not going to have the influence. We're not going to be able to transfer yeah. what we need to transfer. It's all going to get sideways. So the priority about getting clear, and it's why we're real excited. I'm so excited about this whole purpose-driven, and, and, and all of it to kind of go, everything that gets deposited in us is now available to our kids, that's right. right? So let's get filled up. Yeah. Let's get clear. Let's overflow into their lives, yeah. right, instead of sort of going directly there. And so um, as we think about that, one of the things that we've talked about that's really central to the relationship is that being able to get to the heart of what's happening, being able to get to the heart, a lot of times we see behavior that's concerning that we need to address or consequence. A lot of times we're, we're talking about how they're thinking and yeah. and the patterns or we're defining boundaries with kids, but at the heart of it is the heart, yeah. right? We have to get to the heart of what's going on yeah. uh, with our kids and with ourselves. And in the gospels again and again, you see Jesus going through and he talks a lot about different things, but read through the Gospels and see how many times he talks about the heart. Yeah. It's all the time. Yeah. Uh, we have a, uh, I had a college roommate, one of my good friends, who had lived in Encinitas. Uh, has moved back to Phoenix now. But three years ago, we flew out here. And uh, the day we got here, his wife had been struggling with a whole bunch of different physical symptoms. that They were, they were trying to figure out what, were, what was going on. And uh, they got the diagnosis the day that we arrived. And she had a condition that has since been treated, and she's doing great. But amyloidosis was what they diagnosed her with, and it's a cancer in the blood. And um, what it was doing was it's depositing protein um, onto her heart. Mm -hmm. So her heart was getting hard, literally hard. And because her heart was getting hard, right, a heart is made to be tender and pliable, pliable, right? It has to squeeze and release. That heart gives life to your whole body. And her heart, because of this condition in her blood, was getting hard. And it was producing all these other symptoms, right? And when they diagnosed it, they had to treat that. And so what we really need is to get your heart restored. Yeah. And so they've gone through a process, and, and she's doing well today. And But a lot of times as we're just dealing with behavior or we're seeing things that are going on in our kids' lives, and we kind of have to keep pushing past to go, what's going on in your heart? Yeah. Right, Jesus told folks you're you're worried about a lot of things coming into the body. A lot of but, but guard your heart. What's coming out? Yeah. Kind of what's going on in your heart? And I think as parents, as much as we're monitoring and developing and shaping behavior, that we're always kind of coming back to sort of go, what is happening in there? When when Jesus calls Peter into ministry, if you'll remember, Peter's in the boat. And he sees this power come out of Jesus in this miraculous catch. And then Peter says to Jesus, depart from me. I'm a man of unclean lips. I mean, Jesus is rejecting this offer from Jesus saying, I'm not discipleship material. I'm a fisherman. Like I'm a foul mouthed blue collar fisherman. You don't want a guy like me on your team. I'll slug somebody. I'll cuss. I'll do something embarrassing. I am not your kind of guy. I'm not a religious guy, right and he, and he's telling Jesus, Jesus, no, you need to leave. I'm a mess. And Jesus looks at him and he says to Peter, You know what, Peter? Don't be afraid. Yeah. He sees the fear in his heart yeah. that's what's driving this rejection yeah. And so Jesus calls it out and names it. Peter, don't be afraid. That's why you're rejecting me. That's why you're afraid to come and follow me. You're afraid that who you are is going to disappoint me. You're afraid I won't know what to do with your foul mouth and your bad habits and your unreligious. You're afraid. You know what, Peter? I see it in your heart. Don't be afraid, Peter. It's helping him recognize that there's usually a battle below the battle. There's a feeling below the behavior. And we can't just settle with the behavior. We've got to get to the heart and help our kids get to the heart when they're doing things. If they're not going to school or they're not joining a playgroup or they're not sharing their work and they're manufacturing excuses and we're teaching them principles, but we're not speaking to going, you know what, I think you're afraid right now. I think there's fear in your heart. They're shutting down. They're withdrawing. They're doing other things to kind of go, I'm, I wonder if you're angry. Are you angry in your heart? Yeah. Right? We have to name and we have to teach our kids to name mm-hmm. what's going on in their hearts. Yeah. We have to teach them to keep up with their hearts. Yeah. We have to keep them to recognize, to kind of go, if there's anger in our hearts, towards God or towards each other or towards ourselves, it will affect our behavior. If there's sadness in our hearts um, because of a loss or because of a rejection, we have to say, you know what, I'm sad, I didn't get picked. Mm -hmm. I got rejected. And it's really hard to get rejected, but sometimes we do. Mm -hmm. And to be able to say, I'm sad about that. So it's getting into the light. Mm -hmm. We get scared about things. And then we do all kinds of things to act like we're not scared anybody afraid of being afraid? <laughs> right? We took a, a special needs young man to a, a, an outdoor camp. His name was Chucky. And we had a ropes course that the able-bodied kids were still struggling on. And Chucky uh, was a special needs young man and pretty limited cognitively and physically. Chucky went through this entire seven obstacle rope course. And all the way through the rope course, he was crying and shaking mm-hmm. at each station. And I kept saying, Chucky, let me bring you down. Let me bring you down. You know, you go, oh, no, no. He kept going all the way through. I was a mess, uh, but Chucky powered through the whole thing. And at the end, there's a trapeze, and Chucky got to the top and threw himself to try to grab the trapeze. And like, he came down to the bottom. And I said, Chucky, I go, oh my gosh, you looked like you were afraid up there. He goes, oh, I was, I was. I go, Chucky. Why didn't you stop? Why did not you let me bring it down? And he looks at me. Chucky's a you know has mental retardation, all kinds of things. Doctor Wooster standing by, and Chucky looks at me, and I go, "You you look so afraid. Why didn't you stop?" And he goes, uh, "It was only fear." Doctor Wooster, <laughs> right? And Chucky, I realized Chucky is clear in his own heart. Yeah. Yeah. Chucky's not afraid to be afraid. Dr. Wooster is, but not Chucky. He's clear in his own heart. He knows he's afraid, but he's not going to let the fear stop him. Yeah. Right?
2: Yeah. So we know that when we name things, there's authority and power in naming something, right? Even when God speaks the world into existence, right? There's an authority that God has given us. He says, when I leave you, I'm giving you my name. You speak my name and have authority over the things that are coming into your life. Guard your heart for it's the wellspring of life. Pay attention to your heart. See what's going on in your heart. The way we teach our kids how to do that is by we pay attention to our own hearts. Even with Adam and Eve, after they had sinned, right? What's the first question? The first question God ever asks, where are you? Where are you? He asks us that question every day. Where are you? Are you checking in with your heart? Where's your heart today? Is it about striving and performance? Is it about pride? Is it about passivity? Is it about self-hatred? Check in with your heart because I have a clearing system to help you remove those things in your heart. And that would be the next thing that we'd want to teach our kids, and that's the idea of repentance. Repentance. When we come to the Father, he has a mechanism for us to clear out our hearts. He does that with us, and then we can teach our kids how to do that as well, right? So the Lord says, I come to you to give you fresh starts, right? I'm not leaving you alone. I'm not going to forsake you. I'm staying with you. I'm giving you the Holy Spirit so you'll know when there's something inside of your heart that's not supposed to be there. So that you can recognize those things inside of your heart. So the Lord says, I come to you so that you can see those things inside of your heart. Right? And he says, when we come in repentance, when we say, Lord, what is it that's going on inside of my heart? He's going to show us what those things are. When we check in with our kids, we go, what do you think is going on inside of your heart? They have a pure heart to know, yeah, I think I felt rejected. I think I feel insecure. And there's a mechanism that the Lord says, when we come, we come in a posture of repentance. We come to say, I recognize when when Christ comes, he says, I come full of truth and grace. Mm -hmm. The truth is that we find ourselves where we're at. Truth means reality. He comes to our mess. He says, I'm coming to you in the reality of where you're at. I can show you the reality of where you're at. And when you see that reality, as soon as you recognize it, Grace rushes in to find us, right? It's not like he says, here's the reality. You're a lousy person. As soon as we recognize the thing that's in our heart, the Lord goes, I'm rushing in so that you know I'm going to clear you out. Say, Lord, I recognize the condition of my heart. Will you forgive me? Yes. Washes us clean. Will you forgive me? Will you take this out of my heart? Yes, Lord. Thank you. I receive that. I I receive a fresh start. There's something in us that doesn't want to recognize, even from the beginning, to blame others or not to look at the thing that's in front of us or the thing that has contaminated us. We have a friend of ours, um, their daughter is two years old. Her name's Aza. She came over and was playing with our kids. We sat down to eat a meal, and Aza was sitting there, and our kids are older, so they were paying attention to what Aza was doing, and she was taking her food, and instead of eating it, she was throwing it on the ground. And I came in, and I said, Emma, what's all the food on the ground? She goes, Ozza's. <laughs> <Aza's, don't it?" laughs> and I go, Ozza, I go, is this your food? And she looks down and she goes, No. <laughs> and so then I left, pick up all the food, put you know, put some new food on her plate, come back around. All the food's on the ground again. Ozza, is this is this you? And she goes, No. I go, whose do you think it is? And she goes, Emma? There's something in us, even from a young age, that goes, it's not me. I want to blame someone else, right? The Lord has the ability to take that out. For us to stand, for us to be bold and say, Lord, what's going on inside of my heart? I don't need to blame others. You can clear me so I don't have to have this anymore.
1: Yeah, I think, uh, you know, we can see it's pretty pretty unsophisticated when two-year-olds do that. I think as we get older, we find more sophisticated ways. To do things, amen, right? If you've been to school a long time, you can really do that. Um, but uh, we had a friend uh, that was uh, in Phoenix. He just got in a pool, and his daughter was about seven or eight years old, maybe maybe six or seven. And there's a group of us, and we were not far out of college, and we used to play this, these killer games of Marco Polo. Do you guys play Marco Polo over here, right? And so we used to play full-on Marco Polo. So there's about six of us, and his daughter wanted to play. So we said, okay, so you've got to close your eyes, and then you've got to find him. So one of the guys accidentally touched Sarah, and so now Sarah's it. So Sarah has to close her eyes to try to catch us. And so she's about to go down, and Sarah's a very competitive little girl. And so she's about to close her eyes, and she goes, Hey, before we start, just so you'll know, I don't want you to think I'm cheating, but I do have a little bit of a peaking problem. (laughs) Right? And... And she says it in all earnestness. I go, Sarah, you have, what is it again? She goes, I have a peaking problem. And I don't want you to think I'm cheating. Okay. Good to know. You've got a peaking problem. Right? Right. It sounds like the medical condition that she has no responsibility for, but she doesn't want to be misunderstood. Right? But I can tell you what, in our practice, in our life, we meet a lot of adults with peaking problems. Right? Uh, I'm just that way, I'm just whatever, I'm Irish, I'm whatever, I'm whatever, fill in the blank, now it's an ethnic issue, oh my gosh. I mean, we have all kinds of ways to sort of not just sort of go, you know what, I'm broken that way. Mm-hmm. And, and repentance is a gift,
2: yeah, that's
1: right. right? The gift of repentance, it's our pride in the enemy that tells us we have to be afraid. It's a gift to be able to go, oh, look at that. Look what I just did. And it's a gift to be able to come back and sort of go, there is never condemnation. That's right. Never condemnation. We don't come into the light for condemnation. We come into the light for restoration. Right? We're on our way to restoration, and the way to restoration is into the light and into fullness and freedom and restoration. Right? The enemy says if you come into light, you're exposed. You blew it. You're condemned. Go back into the shadows. No, 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 no. There is no condemnation for those in Christ. None. We're welcomed into the light because God's taking us to restoration. He came to bind up broken hearts. Who else can bind up a broken heart? They're tender, they're sensitive, they get hurt. He came to bind up broken hearts. That's His mission, that's His expertise. That's his desire. He knows how to bind up my broken heart when I've hurt it or I've hurt someone else's or they've hurt mine. He is the great physician. We come into the light. No fear, no shame, no condemnation. On to restoration. Yeah.
2: So we're made both for confession and forgiveness. So the question I have for you, is one of those harder than the other? For you. Is it harder for you to confess your sin, or is it harder for you to f- receive forgiveness? We have a tendency to do one or the other, but the Lord asks us that that exchange is both. We both confess our sins, and we receive forgiveness. It's a posture of both. Repentance is a posture of confession. We say, I recognize the thing that has come into my heart that has contaminated me, and now I receive, Lord. I receive your restoration. I receive your forgiveness. We can have blocks on either side. We can have a block to confess our sin. We can have a block to receive forgiveness because we say, no, I'm not deemed well. I'm not deemed the disciple, right? And the Lord says, no, both, both are postures of receiving. Both are postures that are necessary to be connected to me. When we do that with our family, when we say, I'm sorry for the way that I did this to you, and we receive forgiveness, both happen at the same time, that gives our families fresh starts when we both confess our sin and we receive forgiveness. It's not, I'm sorry, that's okay. It's, I need to ask for your forgiveness for this. Will you forgive me? I forgive you. Your debt is canceled. You are free, right? That's what the posture is that we get in our families. We both get to confess our sins and receive forgiveness. Both of those things are place where restoration happens in our family system.
1: When there's conflict with kids, a lot of times we say, well, the problem got solved or we avoided the problem. And I think part of that restoration that we begin with kids even early on is after they have had an exchange to kind of say, and we'll say to our kids, is there anything you need to say to your sister? And our kids, our kids know to kind of go, you know what, Emma, I want to ask your forgiveness for blank, blank, blank. And Emma will say, Jacob, I forgive you. Right. And I'll tell you what, it's simple, but it's not easy. But what it does for them, even at an early age is to kind of go, here's how we deal with conflict and brokenness and sin in our life together. We don't just problem solve. We don't just, you know, no big deal. We don't dismiss it. We say there's a break in your relationship and we're going to restore the break in your relationship. And the way it's restored is you come and you say, you know what? I was really selfish. I ate your chocolate bunny.
2: We've had Re- that happen. That
1: happens in our fridge house. Right, with Abigail. Oh, my gosh. She saves everything and Jacob eats everything. This is a very challenging where she opens it up and she brings home her little chicken fillets and she opens it up and it's not there. And she's very tender. Right, and Jacob's in there and he's just, he consumes, just consumes. And I'll, and I'll, I'll call Jacob in and there's Abigail standing with the empty plate. And I'll go, Jacob, is there something you want to say to Abigail? Abigail, I'm sorry. I ate your Chick-fil-A from last night. Yeah, I, will you forgive me? Yes, Jacob, I forgive you, right? We're restoring their relationship, not just consequenting them, not just managing it. We're getting them reconnected. That is a biblical posture of getting restored. I hurt you. I ignored you by what I did or what I didn't do. Will you forgive me? I forgive you. Now we're done. Nobody's on probation. Nobody is earning it back. We're done. Okay, we're clear now. Let's go on. We have a fresh start. If your kids are constantly on probation, if you're kind of saying you did it again, love has a horrible memory. God keeps no record of wrong. Every time you and I are before Christ, you're a first-time offender, and so am I. Amen? right? First time offenders. When we confess and forgive, we're back to being first time offenders. Love keeps no record of wrong. We don't kind of keep pounding it up. We start again and we keep going. Okay. Um,
2: so the next posture that we have is receiving that we receive one another. We have a posture of receiving each other, of receiving healing, of receiving all that God has for us, all that God intended for us. From the very beginning of time, God said, I deposited these great things in each person that are individual and specific to each person. We sometimes stray away and don't remember who we are. We need reminded. There are days when I forget who I am and Dawn reminds me <clears throat> about who I am. God reminds me about who I am, but we have a posture of receiving. There was this Kinko's that's right, right by our house. And, uh, and there was a guy who works at the Kinko's and his name is Sabri and uh, Don had gone in there and he said, okay, Renee, you're not going to believe this guy at Kinko's. I go, at Kinko's? And he goes, yeah. He goes, I went in there and the guy exploded. He's Middle Eastern. He explodes when people come into Kinko's. He says, welcome. I'm so glad you're here. <laughs> let me do
1: Savory. This is savory. Seven o'clock in the morning for Starbucks. Hello. <laughs> okay. This is pre-Starbucks. Right? Hello, my friend. So glad to see you. Come. Come. Oh, I'm so glad you're here. I'm looking around going, am I a Kinko's? Is this a movie set? Am I getting punked? That's the greeting from Sabri. Yeah. Yeah.
2: So after he told me about Sabri, uh, I went in there and kind of had forgotten about this guy. And I walked in, and then I heard him doing it. And it was so interesting to watch a man who was welcoming, who was receiving people with a, this kind of posture, and see what the response was. Because people would walk in, and we, you would be thrown off by it, right? Because we don't receive each other with big re- reception like that, right? We don't go, I'm so glad you're here. Not about what you bring, <laughs> not about what you did. You're here. Thank you for being here, right? We don't really know what to do with that. And I watched... As a woman came in, and he goes, you're beautiful. And she goes, no, 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 no. I am not beautiful. Right? But don't we do that? Don't we say that back to the Lord? No, I'm not beautiful. Right? And as I watched all of that happen, then I I wanted to introduce myself because Don had met him. And I said, hey, Sabri, my husband's Don. He's been in here a few times. And he goes, oh, you're Renee. Oh. You are like a beautiful piece of fruit. <laughs> <laughs> I go, Sabri, I've never been called a beautiful piece of fruit. Thank you. I received that.
1: While you're getting copies, <laughs> which is, right, we came in together on one Saturday morning. He goes, oh, my, you are such a strong, handsome man and this beautiful woman. How can I help you? <laughs> Sabory. I remember coming home one day, and it had been a really bad day. I was gotten chewed up all kinds of ways, and I was heading to the house. It was just a block, and I had the most random thought in my head. I go, I want to go make a copy. <laughs> I'm looking for something just to pull. I can copy this. I just want to walk in. I just want to hear you big, strong, handsome man. How can I help you? So glad to see you. Thank you. Come back, my friend. Oh, my gosh, right? we told I told that story in a, a weekend we were doing, and there was a woman in the audience from Phoenix, and she goes, I've been to that kid goes, I know Sabory, kind of a thing. And we had this little, you know, kind of deal. But, man, I tell you what, that capacity, that welcoming, right? I want to go make copies because I want to get blessed. Yeah. I kind of want to hear it. I work out with some guys a couple days a week, and one of them was a cage fighter, UFC fighter. And so I ask him, I go, man, how do you take those blow? How did you? He's not competing anymore. But I go, how do you take those poundings? And he said, you know, when he was fighting, he said every day they line up next to each other and they just hit each other up and down their arms and legs. He goes 50 times hard. And I go, you would do that? He goes, yeah. If you hit those nerve endings enough every day, you go numb and then you can take the blows. Anything you pound enough will go numb. Now, I want you to think about the kind of contact you have with your kids when you're correcting them, right? We have to correct our kids. We have to confront our kids. We have to have come-to-Jesus meetings with our kids, right? We have to. It's our job, right? But how many blessings are getting laid down between those hard points of contact, right? If your kids, every time they hear their name, or most of the time, or when you stop to be with them, or you call them up, or you get them out of school, if every time it's going to be an incoming, you know what? They will start to get hardened. They'll start to get numb. They'll start to not feel it. This is lecture number, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, 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 yeah. You still didn't clean your room. You still didn't, right? They will numb up. And part of keeping ourselves in a posture of sort of going, you know what? We want them to expect and hope we have welcoming, we have blessing, we have affirmation that keeps them open. If you're not affirming for every three times you're correcting, you're getting out of balance. If you're not blessing, um, in addition to correcting, you're getting out of balance. If you're not catching them doing well and celebrating them, you're only catching them dropping the ball. You're getting out of balance, right?
2: Yeah, we're meant to bless each other, not withhold blessing, right? That's what we're meant to do. When we do that, when we bless each other and we release each other into the world, we're made to restore each other. We're made to receive each other. We're made to release each other. Yeah. We, don't have, we don't have repentance and restoration to stay home. We have restoration, repentance, and receiving to be released into the world. Yeah. Because this flavor, the world doesn't know. They yeah. don't know about fresh starts. They don't know about savory and receiving, right? That's a different flavor that the world doesn't know. That's what we want to do. We want to restore each other and receive each other and bless each other and send each other into all the places that God tells us to go. Yeah. Both our kids and us as an adult. Yeah. And even in our marriage, we do this posture of receiving one another of blessing each other. We build that foundation for when the storms come, for when the confrontations come, we have the layer of blessing each other. We have the softness of that. We have the security of going, that's right. When I hear my name, you bless me too. Let's go to prayer right now. Thank you, Lord. Mm -hmm. Jesus, we're so grateful that you receive us. We're so grateful that there's no condemnation. We're so grateful, Lord, that you find a place for us, that you release us into the world. Mm -hmm. And when you say our names, there's sweetness on your lips, Lord. Thank you, Jesus.
0: You know, that whole process they went through uh, of repentance, there's people here today that may need to take that first step with God. You know, you're at a place right now, if you're honest, You'd say, listen, I I just don't know today whether or not I'm right with God. I don't know today whether or not we're good. As I talked to my neighbor this week, he just wanted to know, am I good with God? Well, what does good mean? Because nobody's good. Nobody's good, the Bible says. So if it was about being good, we're not good enough. Come understand, we're not good enough if it was about being good. The question is, are you right with God? Have you been born again? Have you gone through the process of of receiving Jesus Christ, repenting of your sin, and letting God change your life through being a born again. So if you just quickly close your eyes with me and bow your heads, if you're here today and you need to make a decision to, to be right with God, not just to be good, but to be right with God, because none of us are good. And you want to say yes to God today. You want to put Him first, In your life, with no one looking around and every eye closed, would you just raise your hand quickly so that I can say a prayer for you? Thank you. Raise your hand just quickly. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Who else? Thank you. Thank you. The process is very simple. They just went through it. So, what I want you to do is, I want you to just say a prayer to yourself right now. Just to yourself. God can hear your thoughts, God can hear this prayer. But to yourself right now, just say, God, I invite you to take first place in my life. I give myself completely to you. So right now, just say that in your own way. Step number two is the repentance step. Just say, God, forgive me. I've blown it. I've messed up. I've made mistakes and I need your forgiveness and I repent of that stuff. then lastly, just say thank you. Just show your gratitude. Just say, God, I am so grateful for your salvation, for your love, for this fresh start today that I get to start all over. It's beautiful. If you prayed that prayer today, on the back of your Connect card in your worship pack, there's a little box that says, I made a decision to put God first in my life today. We'd like to know and celebrate with you. We'd like to connect with you and help you with the next steps of what it means to put God first. You check the back of that box and you can drop it off in one of the tithe and offering boxes in the back. We'll connect with you this week. Stand with me as we close today. I want to invite you again to come back for lunch. And if anybody would like to volunteer to uh, go to the Phoenix Kingos and bring savory back, we would love him to stand at the bottom of the stairs on Sunday every week and just welcome people coming down the stairs. It would be awesome having him here. Uh, let's just pray a blessing over the parents and the grandparents in our church as we finish this month on parenting, that God will just empower you with the principles you've learned through this series. Father, we thank you, God, that you've given us the incredible privilege of parenting. You are a father. And so, God, those of us that have been fathers and mothers, you have given us one of the greatest jobs in life, and it's to be like you, because you are a parent. And you've given us the ability to be parents. And we need to understand, God, that you love our children far more than we could ever love them. And you have a desire for our children and good things for our children and plans and purposes for our children far greater than anything we could ever imagine for them. So, Lord, let us be faithful stewards to take care of your children. Because before Asher is my son, he's your son. And let me never forget, God, that I am raising your son. He's not just my son, but I'm raising your son. And let us as parents never forget that, that they are your children first. And we are just been entrusted by you to care for them for a season of time. So let us do it faithfully. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Bless you guys. We'd love.